Welcome to Return of the Hack, the discussion series that brings you cyber stories behind the technology. I'm your host, Neil Langridge, and today I'm joined by Adam Dara from Zero Fox. We discuss the dark web, what this alternative side of the internet is really like, the impact of geopolitics, and how people really are at the heart of the cybersecurity challenge. Hi everyone, uh, I'm Neil Langridge from E92. Welcome to the latest in our video series. Uh, today I'm joined by Adam Dara from Zero Fox. He's the Senior Director of Dark Ops. So we'll get started with a bit of an introduction because that's a very cool job title. Adam, so if you want to tell us a, tell us a little bit about what you do. It is a cool title. Uh, and what we do is Dark Ops is the branded wing of Zero Fox that busies itself with collections. So we do technical collections, human intelligence, collections and so uh, zero fox has made the decision which i love to call it dark ops okay that's fantastic so um so we're here to have a little bit of a chat about about dark ops about in terms of what you do in terms of the you know the dark web um and in terms of kind of some of the trends and what you're seeing on there going going on at the moment so um when i was reading some of the some of the recent posts that you'd had and some of the conversations on on linkedin it did make me think of talking about the dark economy and being a reflection of the real economy because i'm in the middle of watching uh, stranger things um at the moment uh yep so i immediately thought is this the equivalent uh, let's get a good analogy in earlier on of the of the upside down of a kind of reverse economy of what we see, both from a business and economy perspective, but also from a, a technology and a, a cybersecurity slash cybercrime perspective. That's an excellent analogy, you know, uh, because in that nether, in that weird world, it looks very similar to ours. It's just a little smellier, a little weirder, and uh, things, things get weird really quick. Uh, and so the underground economy where we primarily deal is a network of individuals who have made a decision. They've made a decision to have mob rule, okay? And within this mob rule, it's all by choice. It's all by consent. Uh, and so what happens is groups of like-minded individuals get together, they form a guild that, that specializes in something. Uh, where we play, it's usually hacking, some financial fraud, uh, brokering and or reselling compromised credentials, botnet logs, et cetera, et cetera. We, obviously the dark web is a complicated environment. It's a place not only for criminals to gather, but it's also a place for sexual political minorities to, to, to hide their, their true selves and communicate with each other in a safer place. It's a place where uh, privacy advocates go to, to obfuscate uh, where their real IP is. You know, they're not doing anything nefarious, but they're skeptics of, of, of tech, of government. Uh, so it's a place really for everyone, uh, not just criminals. And so, um, yes, weird, disgusting things happen down there. Uh, yeah. However, um, it is mostly where, where we deal is very concerned with trying to infiltrate, get out in front of dangerous tools, dangerous methods, uh, and dangerous dangerous information being brokered uh, against a business, against individuals. I suppose that makes it quite complicated that there is there is no one thing, there is no one dark web. So it, it kind of in terms of that variety, whether it's spread across geographies or cultures or even languages or or all the sort of areas that, that, that people congregate in terms of what their agenda is going to be, it makes it very hard to say, oh, there's one thing. So in terms of tactics and approach and understanding how to get involved with these things, it, kind of every time that you're kind of starting a little bit fresh learning about 
about how to how to how to get involved without being you know strolling in with the newspaper under your arm and and going nothing to see here i'm just coming on for a chat look you bring up a really good point neil so one of my favorite uh questions is well can't you just right yeah. well, well, well can't you just go find that guy or well, well can't you just go find that thing before it becomes a thing uh, can't you just, you know, and, and so let, let, let's, number one, that's a fair question, right? I'm, I'm making light of it, but it is a, it is a fair question. Um, it's a complicated ecosystem and, uh, you know, we, and it's a very noisy ecosystem, right? So it's intentionally designed to discourage truth seekers, okay? And the only way to cut through the noise is for you to know the secret knocks, the secret handshakes, the secret words, right? Um, you have to be part of a of a circle of individuals who have accepted you. You have had to have passed their tests to be admitted into their circle of trust. And so, um, you know, we have experience in this ecosystem. We have experience. We know how we have people that know how to act, who know how to talk, who know how to who are cultural, who are culturally competent in dealing with this very interesting group. Uh, that that congregates in that particular part. So um, we know the code words, we know the handshakes, and we know that because there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of strings to pull on, and it, it even confuses us at times, right? So you, you'll see something really salacious, and that salacious thing was alerted, right? So we have scrapers out there, and you know they know how to type, and they know where to type for a scraper to grab it and alert on it, right? Like these guys are very, very good at playing the game. And so this salacious thing happens and it's like, Adam, oh my goodness, like this thing, it's gonna do this thing and it's gonna make this other bad thing happen. And it's over as we know it. Uh, and, and so, you know, how do you, how do you confirm or disconfirm that without sounding insensitive to a client who, who has a lot of other things to worry about besides the dark web, right? Yeah. And so, so that's the challenge, right? Is putting these into their proper context putting these alerts, putting this ecosystem into its proper context, language, culture, motivation, because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here, but criminals lie, Neil. And sometimes they say things to bolster their reputation or simply to be obnoxious. Yeah, so there's, there's definitely going to be parallels with what we know in the, you know, in the real real world in terms of from a crime perspective. And obviously, you know, the, the fantastic work that all kind of law enforcement agencies have done and built up that experience over the years and infiltration and understanding how to, to battle against these. So there's going to be elements of so criminals are going to be criminals and, and, you know, the showing off thing is definitely going to be kind of one of them. But there are obviously, I imagine, a whole different set of rules and processes and culture and everything and and uh, you know kind of i suppose the kind of like why can't you why can't you just wander along to the first bit of the the, the dark web and find the because presumably everyone's just wearing a hoodie crouched yeah. over a laptop looking at green text on a laptop yeah uh um, in a glacier in a glacier under yeah. the glacier yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely so yeah that, but yeah so how, how how kind of how similar is does the the kind of cyber crime world Kind of reflect or, or, or mirror some the, the the kind of you know the kind of real crime world if you like in terms of in person. Well, in the in the above ground world, we there's consent, right? So we consent whether we know it or not. We do give our consent for well-meaning uh, advertisers, politicians, focus groups to use our data to understand sentiment, right? Yeah. But again, they have our consent to do so. 
And what happens is um, that is then brokered the way it's brokered data, the way data is brokered and all done by consent. Now the dark web works the same way, except they don't have our consent, right? So they, they were interesting. And if I could just message people like you matter, what you do and what is more sacred, what is more sacred than your online or digital footprint? When the lights are off, you're by yourself. What are you typing? Right. That, that is who you are. It's like there's a record being made by angels. Right. So like that is so sacred, that relationship we have with like our interests, our curiosities, maybe our true selves, or maybe it's escapism, like whatever it is that fuels us humans um, and, and brings us joy, brings us uh, satisfaction, meaningful relationships. Right. That's all captured in our digital and online footprint. Well, People want to know about us. We're fascinating. You're fascinating. What you spend your money on is interesting. What you spend your time doing is fascinating. Like people want to know us and they want to help us make decisions in purchases. They want to help us make decisions in, in giving us information about an, an election. Like it is a blessing, right? Yes. It's abused. Like I, I'm, it's abused. We can all agree on that. However, underground criminals want to know the exact same things about us except they steal it. And then after they learn about us, they make a judgment. Oh, I want to steal more from this person. I want to go to that person's grandmother and take everything. I want to socially engineer this hardworking individual 30 years. Neil, I was on a call with, with recently with a, an individual who, who lost, he was socially engineered out of his entire IRA. He had worked for over 30 years over 30 years and a threat actor took an interest in him, thought he was interesting, got to know him, got to know his digital footprint, got to know his likes, his dislikes, his bank, his house, his address, his phone number, his birthday, his social security number, got to know him because he was interesting and he meant something. He lost everything, right? So that's the difference, consent and force and non-consent. Right. And so that's the biggest difference. Right. Um, we I'll stop there. That's it's heartbreaking, but that's that's the difference. Right. Like, yes, maybe we don't like. OK, like an argument can be made. And I'm glad there are people out there raising the alarms. Yes, an argument could be made that above ground economy has gone too far with our with our data broker. Cool. Let's have that discussion. Awesome. Nevertheless, we are giving consent. Right. Yeah. And so I just want to make that clear. Right. And it's not perfect. It's not a perfect system, but considering how awesome technology is and how quickly we're moving for a, to, towards a better world, just in general, um, it's still like, there are still some flags with, well, there are still things we, we, we need to um, figure out uh, with our relationship uh, with between us and tech. But um, overall, like that would be the biggest difference for me is what I would argue is that, um, Nobody has a right to victimize me just because I had a bad day, right? Like what if I had a bad day and I clicked on something I, I shouldn't have clicked on, right? Boom, I'm owned. And then on my bank, do I deserve to have everything taken from me because I made a bad judgment once? Do, I have that? do, do they have that right to take that from me? No, right? So that, that, that's where I'm at. That, that's, that's the biggest you know, when you go to that weird world, right? I always forget what they call it on the Netflix special, but like that nether, right? The nether, right? Like it looks the same, but it's gross and it smells funny. Yeah.
Yeah, but I, I think in 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 the real world, we've all become you, we've learned so much about the fact in terms of how much we attract and how much data is out there, and we kind of understand that. I think people have begun to understand that if you're not, for example, if you're not paying for a product, you are the product. Yep. People have begun to got, understand that and the value of their data because they're being sold to because they can see themselves now being monetized by Facebook and Google and everybody else. So we can see the value of that. I suppose from a cybercrime perspective. And, and, and the, the kind of awful example that you're kind of very tangible and important, but very sad example that you gave there. In that perspective, do we think we're interesting? I suspect a lot of people don't think they are. They can see it tangibly of oh, when I click on an ad or whatever, and then I can see myself being remarketed through Facebook. I can see why I'm interesting now because, um, you know, kind of I can get sold a new pair of trainers. But I don't know. Do I know how interesting I am to a cyber criminal? Probably not. I don't think we've gone through that that learning process because because the dark web is so distinct and we don't have that interaction with it. We haven't learned the lessons about how interesting we are yet. Neil, I just want to like double tap on something you said. I love how adaptable we humans are. We're, we get smart real fast, and I think the difference we have to. It's all about mindset, right? So we can either start thinking like, oh, only dumb people click on things. Yeah. Only people who really aren't tech savvy. Like this is for the older, older generation should have to worry about it because like, you know, we're younger, we're hipper, we're cooler. Like we get it. Like, you know, um, it doesn't matter. I, in our work, we've seen everything. We've seen some wonder. I mean, you think about the visionaries whose Twitter has been hacked. Think about some yeah. of the tech titans who have had issues with their online identity, right? Like this is this is a universal problem because, and if I could, you know, so many things to unpack, but number one, humans are amazing. We are the most fascinating and wonderful creatures, okay? And the fact that we are now having these conversations, tech is not that old, right? I mean, we, we're learning and we're learning as we go and, and we're adapting. And now we're like, Oh, wait a minute. Like, Oh, nothing's free. Got it. Right. So, but, but man, free feels good. Free feels good. Like, I don't want, like, I don't really want to renegotiate these terms. Cause I just want what I want when I want, I want that dopamine, but nevertheless, like pockets of, of, of brave individuals, really smart individuals are getting together going, wait a minute. I think we should renegotiate this contract that tech has with the individual right now. Again, that type of contract, has not been negotiated on our terms, the above ground normal people, like the above ground people terms with, with the underground economy, right? So I, I'm starting to see, at least in common, like everyday conversation, the, even the term dark web is starting to come up more. Um, and, you know, so, so that's a positive thing. Like we'll adapt, we'll change our, our thinking, you know, as we go. And, and hopefully, you know, hopefully the criminals will have to start keeping up with us. Yeah. Instead of instead of the opposite, right? So, I, I think you bring up a very good point. We are learning. Um, we we should and and, and it, we really do. I don't want to get too philosophical here, but I I will say that you matter. You matter more than you know. 
That's that's like the perfect take. The, the, the last question is, what's the one takeaway? So we'll, we'll come back to that because I think that no, it's absolutely perfect. But I, I think one of the things that's really interesting about kind of what you guys do, and you know, a lot on the, these conversations that we're having, we're talking a lot about you know kind of big stuff, and we're talking about cloud, and we're talking about infrastructure, and we talk about supply chain, and we talk about these big systems, and you know, kind of everything that organisations are trying to protect. But I think everything we've talked about so far, we haven't talked about corporations and we haven't talked about that we've just talked about individuals but obviously what you guys do is is you know you don't sell to consumers it's a business you sell to businesses to help them protect themselves and their individuals so that relationship you have is kind of a little bit unique so where is that line is there a line between kind of how we're securing the individual and how we're securing a business and their data and their assets and kind of you know, kind of how does that overlap and more important, I suppose, blur between the two in terms of what you guys do? I don't see a blur. I see corporations as the most efficient way to protect individuals. So a corporation is simply a, a large mass of individuals, right? And so you have a single point of entry to reach tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands, in some cases, millions of individuals at the same time, right? So um, it's a very efficient way to protect, to protect clients uh, because, you know, Believe it or not, um, I definitely my heart has definitely softened um, in dealing with more in dealing with the security apparatuses of large international corporations. Like they care, they really care. They don't like hearing the bad news of like, hey, we just found this dump of you know ten million of your clients, right, of your customers, and they're just like, oh, you know, like so. Nobody that we deal with takes everybody we deal with cares on the human level for their subscribers and for their people, both in the, in the official company and people that are, that are subscribing to their services. So corporations are the most efficient way to cover as many people as to protect as many people as, as we can in one in through one mechanism, through one pipeline. Um, and, and so, um, that, that's how we see it. Uh, and, 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 the, and, you know, it's these corporations, it's these tech companies, it's these online retailers who are at the cutting, the bleeding edge of, of protection, of consumer protection. And so the, the more we can secure uh, an, a corporation's widget, yes. the safer the individual is, because the individual is using that widget in their house, the most sacred place on planet Earth, a person's home, um, is more resilient and that's what we want we want resilient equipment we want resilient people who are who are using resilient software using resilient um, online markets to make purchases and and to do that with peace of mind to buy a house to buy food water a car um, a present um, in a in a way that they can have peace of mind that oh this transaction is a miracle yeah. It's a miracle. In milliseconds, I'm fine and I can do this thing and it's magic, right? So we want to keep that magic protected. We want to keep the magic magical. And the best way to do that is to protect, is to protect the corporations who are <laughs> in turn trickle down protecting lots of people. Yeah. And it, are there ways that we need to probably think about it in slightly, in, in different ways to help kind of protect ourselves? Because 
it, it, trying to translate this into our everyday lives. And when we talk about, you know, certainly you know, the, the kind of topics I talk around around kind of data security and we're thinking about, oh, you know, stuff's going to get hit by ransomware and they're just, you know, they're encrypting data and there might be kind of PII in there. But how does that, you know, kind of, are there trends in terms of how this is getting, how this is going in terms of where, you know, kind of how organizations, kind of criminal organizations and cybercrime is going in a different way to be able to kind of stay ahead of what we think of the threat as being? Because once we, once we kind of understand the threat, then we can kind of tackle it in a, in a better way. But obviously, if we're beginning to tackle that thread in a bit different way, they're already going to be thinking, that, OK, what's the next? You know, we need to we need to bring up a new threat. We need to target these people in a different way. So how are you seeing things evolving at the moment in terms of the, the tactics from the from the, the bad actors? Uh, well, so there, there are different levels to this, right? So if the that's a, that's a great way to phrase it, the power does ultimately lie with the individual. And it's been interesting as we've as we've. Um, we get to know threat actors, they get very, we pay attention to what frustrates them, right? So what about somebody frustrates them, right? Because they want to just steal your stuff and they just don't want you to scream, kick, bite. They don't, they don't want any fuss. Just politely hand over your life savings and leave me alone, right? That's what they want. And so the individual actually has a lot of power over over things and so first and foremost i don't know how else to say it without sounding cliche or so i'll try to make it sound more interesting than maybe it really is but get a hold of your digital footprint take a few minutes a few hours one month and just find out what mailing lists you're on just find out like where are you out there what what's already out there in the in the universe figure that out first once you figure that out Okay, it's time to stop the bleeding. Okay, so get a password manager, get a VPN, and that and enable two-factor authentication on all the accounts that you can. Okay, um, there are wonderful free solutions that are easy to use. They're consumer friendly, um, and that will put you at ninety-nine percent risk of really never having a major problem. So, password manager, VPN and two-factor authentication. Um, those things really frustrate threat actors. They haven't really found a technical solution, a non-social engineering solution around those things. So they have to work a little harder um, and they don't like that. Uh, so that so there is a lot of power with the individual. Now, if you're in the, if you are a, now, this is like for, let's, people like us, we're, we're pretty normal, right? We're, we're pretty normal, right? Uh, and so, but when you start getting to a certain echelon of influence, yeah. you're going to have a higher tiered class and skill set coming after you. That's a separate conversation for even, let's say, less, way less than 1% of the population, right? So we don't need to talk about that. But for people like us, um, the, very, the very common sense things, that will keep you very, very safe. As safe as it is as possible to be safe without... If some reason, Neil, you did some, you said something against one of the said bad countries who decided to like turn their nation state resources against you and find something on you, they'll find something. Pending that, the other basics will work just fine. Yeah. So from, from a work perspective and, and, and seeing me as being somebody interesting, um, you know, maybe because of the company I work for or the mm. job I do, or whatever, how much do cyber criminals kind of differentiate between work me 
and personal me when it comes to potentially you know targeting individuals to, to you know for exploitation for as you mentioned that 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 route in to access tens hundreds thousands millions of other people with a company that, that i might work for how do, do they differentiate much or do they see the consu- the personal me as being the route to the work me is the work me where they focus their efforts you know do and you kind of what is there a split there in terms of their how they approach things there is depending on their intent so because of like if, if they if they if there's something interesting about you let's say if let's say somebody motivated by fraud and money strictly they find out about you and they thought oh they think oh neil's upper whatever middle class he's got this much money in his bank account that's interesting oh wait a minute he works for a media organization we can embarrass him oh he works for a security organization awesome they think they're so tough. They think they're so secure. What have they said about us? What have they said about the friends of mine? Let's go and look. So then they start digging down once they find out who you really are. And then it's like, oh, so he thinks he's so smart. He said this about my friend, you know, name name the threat actor group, right? Okay, yeah. we'll show him. We'll show him how, how smart he is. And we'll let everybody know how smart Neil is, right? So again, it, it, it all depends on what their what, what their goal is, right? Um, uh, a financially motivated attempt may turn into to an embarrassing attempt, or vice versa. Like an attempt to embarrass you as, in your role as a as, a, as an online security professional, uh, media personality, that might turn into like financially motivated to either blackmail you or to steal your stuff out of your account or your Bitcoin wallet or your, you know, Dogecoin wallet, uh, whatever you have, whatever crypto wallet you have, right? So um, it all depends on their motive. But that, they, they will pivot uh, if the money's right or if the notoriety is right. Yeah. Okay. And but, and that's obviously where they're where they're heavily targeted. I, I mean, how much research do they generally do? Because there's going to be that high level where they're going to be targeting very interesting individuals, people in that kind of top one percent, point one percent. When they're doing more of a, a kind of spray and pray approach, where that where it's a kind of a broader attack, and that might be at a consumer level, where they're just trying to hit as many small businesses as they can. Kind of how much kind of research goes into it, or sometimes can you just be unlucky? Both. So let's talk about let's talk about the unlucky people. The unlucky people are very unlucky, meaning meaning it was an accident. <laughs> they like meaning the threat actors they bounce your information off of a magic machine that they have to check multiple accounts across multiple online platforms, and again, Neil had a bad day. Neil had a bad day and the one account that didn't have 2FA was wide open and it just happened to be a crypto wallet. Your day just got bad, unlucky day, right? But um, nevertheless, like the other people that, so what they're doing, and we see this, it's brokered all the time. Uh, you've got the bot, you got the bot masters brokering the fresh stuff to trusted people. Those trusted people then make a decision. They're like, okay, what kind of stuff do I want to steal? Or do I just want to repackage it and sell it to other people and maximize my return because I bought the fresh stuff? So we see these lists that eventually turn into combo lists where um, they have, you know, automated tools to check in mass in milliseconds or several minutes across the interweb uh, on all the online login accounts, right? And so then, then they get a list of checked accounts, meaning, yes, these guys do not have 2FA. So here you go. Uh, so they have tools that do this for them. Um, and I guess 
everybody would then fall into the unlucky uh, once yes. they steal from you. Uh, you're, uh, so let me just clarify. Everybody's unlucky that gets stolen from, uh, it doesn't matter if you were targeted or uh, on purpose or on, on, on accident, let's say on accident. Um, once you're a victim, you're a victim and you're unlucky and it's awful. So yes. um, that's how they do it. They just, they keep trying and they might accidentally find a, someone of note, right? Yeah. And, and, and so it all depends what they specialize in social engineering. Maybe they want more. If, if they just want to stay behind a keyboard and hide, fine. They'll just be bop, bop, magic machine. But they, you know, that social engineering is real. So. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it, unfortunately. So we've talked a lot about kind of individuals in terms of kind of data, but what's the, the kind of profile of the tactics they use when they're talking about compromising, especially from a ransomware or extortion perspective, when, bad actors are targeting things like infrastructure um, or kind of, you know, kind of more physical assets. And obviously that could be both from a corporate organization perspective, but it could also be from a, a you know, a kind of state or, or governmental perspective, because we've definitely seen a, you know, a rise in that and, and, and actually bad actors target, beginning to target what we would describe as critical national infrastructure as well, which obviously sometimes can be privately owned, but obviously sometimes kind of publicly owned as well. All right, I want to dissect that for a little bit because we have to be careful here and because threat actors are careful. So first, critical infrastructure, the targeting of critical infrastructure is usually a standing intelligence requirement for all adversarial nation states. Yeah. So what I mean by that is um, Russia is probably under a mandate within its intelligence services to understand the location of critical infrastructure of the United States of America, Canada, right? That's a standing requirement to understand where those choke points are in case they need to deploy something radical in a time of war. So that is an ongoing, those defenses are always being probed regardless of what's going on in the world. The standing requirement, please go do that and help me understand. Now, okay, they, now they understand our grid, let's say. They understand it. Now, tar intentionally targeting and shutting down and or attacking critical infrastructure, depending on a nation's military doctrine, is in most countries considered an act of war. So these ransomware groups, whether they're state-sponsored, state-supported or not, doesn't matter. They will skirt, they will walk right up to the line and stop. That's intentional. Okay. Because as much as it's easy to vilify, let's just be clear. Some of these rogue nations do not want a military confrontation with the United States of America and its allies. They don't. So they walk up to the line to embarrass us, to remind us, like, see what we can do, you know? So, um, when there's, so let's talk colonial pipeline. They technically didn't touch the pipeline. The pipeline made a decision to shut down services. Yeah. So that's what we mean in real life is that we will ransom this entity, but we're not going to shut them down because that is over the line. Yeah. So they're very careful uh, and they're intentional when they, when they go after entities associated with critical infrastructure. Yeah. 
I, I think there was a lot of talk kind of before because the term cyber warfare has kind of you know started obviously raising prominence in recent years and people's mm. awareness of the potential fragility of a lot of our infrastructure because we're so reliant on on digital services kind of yeah. you know whether that goes all the way back to you know kind of what stuxnet did and realizing you know kind of what happened there and what could have happened there and the, the kind of you know and everything that's kind of gone on in between in terms of the digitization and the interconnectedness of every of absolutely everything with the with the war in ukraine i i definitely kind of started seeing a lot of people talking about whether there was going to be the potential for some form of cyber warfare and i think there's been there's been less in terms of tangible activity or visible activity for those of us ordinary people that that, that don't see everything that's happening on the on the dark web How, you know have has there been less than expected are we just not seeing it or is it very, is it is it very tactical as you say of a lot of a lot of groups or states or whatever it happens to be walking up to the line but then not being able to go across because because then that just fundamentally changes the rules of everything an excellent question and um not to be difficult but that's a it's a great question so i would pose the question if if this alleged the most sophisticated adversary on planet earth russia if if they are as scary as they've told us they are, if they are as scary as we have been led to believe, why haven't they deployed it? Yeah. Is there a reason why? I think I have an opinion on that. Well, I do have an opinion on that. Um, my opinion is that once you release a cyber, a cyber weapon into the wild, a couple things happen. One, you lose control of it. Stuxnet is another example. Once that was deployed, the primary entity that had primary premacy over that weapon and control lost yeah. control of it. Yeah. Okay. So then it just kind of goes, goes out into the, out into the wild. Okay. It's a one hit. It's a one hit. Yeah. The second thing that happens is you have now, have now disclosed your capabilities to an enemy from their perspective. United States is an enemy. Um, and they, they don't want that either. They want to keep that close hold for when they, they want to keep it close hold. Yeah. Another unintended consequence. Remember, Neil, if even if on accident, that tool they deploy gets out into the wild, cause we are interconnected. What happens when it hits a NATO country? Article five, which again, forces a direct military confrontation with the United States of America, NATO and other allies. So that is why I don't think they've deployed anything. That's why I think they're using incredibly barbaric tactics with the missile strikes on civilian infrastructure. This is who you're dealing with. And this is another judgment that this is another decision that was made by the Russian Federation to preserve its capabilities. That's how much they value preserving their capabilities against the United States of America and its allies. Yeah. So that is my opinion. Um, it's almost like, I mean, I mean, but what do you do? What, what do you choose? Do you choose to see a, a European country plunged into the bar, into the, into, into darkness during the winter time because of the use of barbaric technologies and missiles that are killing people? Or do we take, or I mean, what, like, there's no good option here. 
And so um, either way, the world's going to suffer as a result of them not using it. And the world's going to suffer if they do use it. Uh, and so it's a very tough situation. It's heartbreaking uh, at all levels. And that is my personal opinion about why we haven't seen anything. Um, um, I, again, don't have any, I haven't read anything special on the dark web. Uh, I have a background in, in United States, U.S. intelligence. I'm a Russia, I was a Russian specialist uh, my entire career. I continue to follow current events. I have friends that are, that are, that are involved in these geopolitical events. Um, and so that's what I would say is that, um, please keep in mind when we say cyber attack, what do we mean by that? What do we mean by infrastructure? Who shut it down? Was it the company that shut it down or was it the threat actor that shut it down? So far, the threat actors have not shut anything down. Yeah, they've not taken anything down. And, uh, and, and that's why, I suppose, that's why potentially corporations can be more at risk because, because not everything is owned by the government. I mean, you know, lots of stuff either isn't maintained, um, it's managed by third parties, or it's actually owned by commercial organizations. So that's where the, the, the kind of gray line, I suppose, comes, where they can, they can target and they can exploit profitable commercial organizations that have their own self-interest as well as being part of a broader community but then they can be affected as well. Um, and the sheer diversity of that, because again, what do you count as infrastructure? We've also seen um, a you know, very large uh, food manufacturer in the US that got, got taken out that I think was it 40% of the beef supply or something, you know, some big number. Do you count that as critical national infrastructure? And it's not traffic lights and it's not a railway system and it's not the power grid, but if people can't eat, um, you know, where, where does that line, that line come from? So I suppose that's the risk of, for commercial organizations. They need to understand their relation, their, their relationship to supply chain. And I suppose just how important they are to a community as well. Exactly. And it's, it's, and, and I would also caution hacktivists as, yeah. as tempting as it is. And again, I know, I understand people's hearts here. This is not a judgment against your motives or against your ideology in, in promoting, in promoting the interests of a, of a, of an ultra minority. Like I get it. Right. So this is not an indictment on hacktivism. It's just to say other less sophisticated nation states do not see a difference between a hacktivist group and a Western attempt to undermine their democracy or to undermine their, their government. Right. So, um, I would caution hacktivists that are getting involved in geopolitical events to just know that the nation states you're targeting not a moral judgment will not see a difference between you and a, what they claim as a Western intelligence operation. They yep. will, they already think of you as a Western intelligence puppet. Just so this is where it gets tricky. That gray line. Technically what happened was not an attack on infrastructure, Neil, technically yep. speaking, you're right. But <laughs> the consequences could have been, catastrophic if not more so if it, they were 100 successful in shutting down our food supply yeah so again they walk right up to the line it's a warning shot across the bow and it's also kind of like a thumb thumb your nose at us like see what we can do yeah see what we can do yeah. and it's one of those ones that will kind of go back to the point about everybody being kind of important and interesting and an individual i think it's it's very easy for us to kind of 
lose sight because the, the perception of cybersecurity is, uh, you know, I need to make sure that I have a half decent password. I don't don't click on the link when I shouldn't click on the link. I need to make sure I'm using a password manager. You know, don't don't connect to any other random Wi-Fi network when I go out to the shop that goes get your free Wi-Fi here and you go with well, that. That sounds trustworthy, um, and I still don't understand how there's no proper validation on public Wi-Fi networks when you're going to shop. But you know, hey, there isn't. So we can all do that, and as you said, we can all have a bad day. Uh, it, it, you don't want to scare people, but equally, people actually do need to know that you know, one person clicking on a link is can have a butterfly effect of somewhere down the road of, uh, you know, a kind of infrastructure pipeline getting getting us to a situation where a pipeline gets closed down it's very it, but that's really hard for us as individuals to think well actually can, you know can i see that potential butterfly effect from one thing i do people can't see that because that's just too big that's really big and crazy so but but we kind of need to understand that to make sure that we're encouraging the right behavior in people correct neil but like there, there's a phrase in cybersecurity that I, I wish we needed the human error human error human error like it's one of the few terms like in the security world, especially in the, in like modern society where we victim blame and victim shame, right? Which is, I think is unhealthy, right? Let's first stop and blame the criminal. The criminals are doing this, not you. And you're being victimized. Like the entry point, the guy or gal behind the keyboard that had a bad day, why are we blaming them? Like, come on, man. Like, no, the criminal did it. I've been tricked with fake ads. I, 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 in, in terms of like on Facebook, like I'm like, oh man, have you seen that news article? I've called them news when they weren't news, right? Yeah. We've all been tricked in our lives. And for whatever reason in our industry, we love victim shaming and we love like we proudly say human error. And we advertise that there are, that, that, these, that these people that have had bad days, our friends, our colleagues are to blame for a criminal act, right? Now, I'm going to let the lawyers and people much smarter than me define criminal neglect and I'll let them do all that. Like I'll let HR departments take care of that. But I just want as like a, an industry professional to just caution how we talk about our colleagues in the industry, how we talk about our colleagues, you know, like we need to stop victim <laughs> blaming the victims for sophisticated criminals. And I dare say, I want anybody to raise their hand. Who's never been tricked ever in their lives. Like even street magicians fascinate me. I, come on, man. Like I, they're tricking me and I know they're tricking me, but I believe it <laughs> in the moment. Like, no, 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 that's real, man. Magic is real. Um, okay. it, 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 so has to, it has to be real because I can't work out how they do it. And it really <laughs> hurts me and it upsets me and I feel stupid. Actually, there's a, there's a lot in common with street magicians and it, up close magic. And so you're, you're infuriated and you're angry, but also you want to know and you feel stupid. But how did they do it? And there must have been a way. Why didn't I see it? Because it was entirely obvious. And I'm brilliant. I'm yeah. so brilliant. <laughs> but I could see it there. I'm beginning to see far too many parallels, and that's very unfair on very talented magicians who I shouldn't be comparing to cybercrime. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, but that, that's it. Is too easy to just go. Why didn't you do that? And that's just the same as as you know, uh, you know, you know, you know, one of our mums just clicking on a, a link because it said that she had a delivery from Amazon coming, and that seemed entirely fair all the way up to a CEO who, you know, potentially felt compromised a business email compromise or approved off a supplier invoice that came in that looked entirely legitimate. And and, and our, I think our expectations of those people are very, very different, that this guy's qualified, but this is a, another person. But actually, 
it, all, it is all just people. And, and, yeah. and we shouldn't, yeah, we shouldn't have to, we shouldn't hold anybody to different standards. Yeah, my mom has been a nurse for over 40 years. She's a brilliant woman. She's a brilliant woman. Um, works hard, um, has been an early adopter of tech, loves tech, right? But I, all the time she's like, oh, um, did you send me this Amazon thing? No, mom, I didn't, yeah. right? So this idea that only like the lesson, there's this, there's this mythical like whole class of, of, of people out there that are just like really not smart. Like, come on, man, like, I, come on. Like, let's, let's just, criminals are good. They're good, right? Um, and we're allowed to have a bad day. Unfortunately, in the cyber world, you're not allowed to have a bad day. One bad day means, has a lot more real, real world consequence, unfortunately. So much so, so much so that in normal life, Adam and Neil, we don't talk about human error. Like in, when somebody has been a victim of a crime, we're not like, well, what, what did you lock your door? Oh, you did. And they still, oh, oh, well, you know, um, you know, what, what were you wearing, uh, to suggest that they, you deserve to be robbed. Were you wearing expensive shoes in a perfectly safe neighborhood where you belong? Like how, like, like we don't talk like that. We don't say, oh, that if you wouldn't have worn those really nice shoes, you probably wouldn't have gotten stolen. We ne we don't talk like that about other crime, but for whatever reason with cyber crime, we're like, well, what was your password? Oh, well, that's stupid. You yeah. know, like, oh, so you clicked on that. <laughs> that's stupid. It's like, whoa, whoa, come on now. I don't know. Yeah. Like, so I think anyway, that's personal opinion, personal opinion. Yeah. But I, you know, I think, I, I think, I think the victim blaming thing is really, it really important. And that's it's weird. It's, it's, and it's also part of that culture of like, we need to get, you know, that kind of, we always talk about all that, you know, kind of, we also talk about users and this kind of keeps coming up that we really need to stop talking about users. They're the first line of defense. Well, um, we kind of need to take them on the journey. I think there probably needs to be a little bit more carrot than there is stick, because most of the stick is just beating them around the head of going, you're the first line of defense. Stop being so stupid and clicking on the link. So, you know, that's 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 not really taking them with us, is it? In quite the, in quite well, the way that we'd like to. And we punish them with more awful training. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, and, and I think a lot, you know, it's easy to laugh at those examples that we've seen and, you know, of like, uh, you know, kind of like the, 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 the security awareness training of we'll do some testing and we'll send out a thing saying everyone's had a really tough time during COVID and we're going to give you a $500 bonus because you've worked so hard. Oh, it's a phishing link. You're so stupid. I mean, uh, we can all laugh, but that, I mean, that literally is truly appalling in, in every single way. But it's it's kind of taking everybody on that journey with us and how we and it's finding ways that organizations can do that. So I suppose kind of there is all this, there is all the tech and there is all the, the, the amazing services and working with you guys that can do that. But, you know, kind of what else can we learn from all of this that organizations can do in terms of working with their people, with their employees to be able to kind of help take them on the, on, on a cybersecurity journey to help everybody be the best that we can be and help collectively come together to work, to try and, to try and defend against some of these threats. I think taking away, you know, these harsh punishments. Uh, I mean, um, I think I think having an internal customer a security apparatus that's customer service friendly. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that the security apparatus has historically been the the silent punisher that stands in the, that sits in the background in a dark room, just with their hand on a button, waiting for somebody to mess up. You know, so they can like 
you know, um, earn their paycheck, so to speak, you know, and, you yeah. know, and, and we put a lot of, you know, again, like they have to be wrong. Like even the security apparatus of any organization, like they only have to be wrong once and the whole, like they get, you know, their jobs. Like, so we're, there's gotta be a way to incentivize people to not be scared to self-report. There, there has to be a way to say, Hey, I clicked on this. I am sorry. I clicked on it. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and, and one bad day does not make a person. That's not who they are, right? And so now, if they keep not reporting, that's a separate conversation, right? Yeah. If, if you're if they're sitting in the background and they're not self-reporting after you know however many clicks on this on the thing, then let's have that discussion. But the average person really is not out to um, to cause intentional harm to the place that provides them a living. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, like how, how to disincentivize the security apparatus from, from also protecting their jobs and, and, and their budget. I, I don't know, but I, I think you bring up a good point about carrot versus stick and what carrots we can offer, um, internal customer service, um, because customer service focused security apparatus, that sounds like that should not even exist ever in humanity, humanity's timeline. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, th I think it's kind of also making it a little bit more visible because you know cybersecurity in many ways is just like insurance. You kind of you, you buy it and then and then you only break out the box when when it all goes very very wrong and that's when you see them. So if you see a cybersecurity thing or a person at work, then you know uh, someone's done something bad, haven't they? So you know is that a case of actually raising the profile and and and, and, and cybersecurity becoming more embedded and important in our lives on a day to day basis? But in a, in a positive way, rather than a, a continual hectoring of, of that. that. I suppose that's the way of making it, normalizing cybersecurity as being a, a key part of what we do. Because, you know, our lives are so digital anyway. So, you know, kind of normalizing cybersecurity and just, you know, kind of doing the basics kind of probably needs to become a little bit more part of what we what we do. So it it. it it doesn't become scary and it doesn't become, oh, I shouldn't have to do, I've only need to talk to these people if I've done something really, really wrong yeah. and I don't want to because I don't want to look silly. Yeah, and if that fails, more clever posters yeah. hung up around the office, I, I guess. I don't, yeah. I don't know, but uh, no, it's, that's, a, that's an excellent, it's an excellent point. And, you know, I, I envision in the very near future a very, a, a technology, a technologically like, enabled solution to this. Like technology will help us and solve yeah. this, this issue. Uh, so by the time it gets to your colleague next to you, by the time something suspicious gets to you, it's either incredibly obvious or it's, you know, or it's so dang good that everybody would have clicked on it, right? So I think technology is the answer. Uh, and also like, you know, again, humanity being nicer and our hearts falling in love with each other again after being, you know, after um, being told we're all going to, you know, we're all going to make each other sick. I mean, <laughs> you know, w eventually humanity will fall in love with each other again. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, um, and so uh, love, man. Yeah. Love well, I, you know, I was going to ask some questions in terms of where you're saying in terms of the, the negative trends, but no, we're not, we're, we're going to, we're going to finish more kind of more positive. So, you know, from your, what is there to be positive about? Let's, you know, kind of like, you, you could spend you and your team spend some life in some some places that I don't think you know. I mean, how much that's you, thank you for doing that because you know none of us want to probably see what uh, some of those places and some of who those people are. But you know, what is there to be positive about in terms of 
you know where things are going in a in an upward direction in terms of not just what we can do but in terms of you know where there are improvements where where things are getting better and what we can all do to contribute to that there's a lot to be optimistic about uh, the criminal underworld will always be there it'll be the the in the cyber world they'll always be there um we are seeing them becoming more frustrated with certain tech technologies that are here to help us. And those technologies are becoming more user-friendly, yeah. which is fantastic. So I applaud the tech sector, uh, the, the, these early innovators who are really trying hard to make online safety as easy as like using Facebook, using Amazon, using these apps, using your iPhone, Android, like, so kudos. So those tools are becoming online available. And as far as we know, we haven't seen any exploits that can break 2FA from a technical standpoint without, let's say, social engineering, right? So the technology's here, Neil, to make it easy and safer to use. Um, also, you know, as weird as the underground is, we are, we see these budding conversations about the moral, like the moral authority that they, that like moral issues are being discussed in terms of, is it proper to attack hospitals during COVID? Like, so we are seeing an element of humanity, even amongst the criminal class, meaning that at least the conversations are taking place. The, the, the renewed awful war in Ukraine, we're seeing conversations take place in the underground that have historically been against the code of conduct. These discussions about what's going on there in Russian speaking forms, unprecedented. Yeah. In other words, for the first time, for the first time, in my professional career in the underground, we're seeing a fracture of Russian speakers. In other words, formally forbidden subjects are now openly discussed, meaning people are engaged in this stuff. Like, so the geopolitical happenings of the above ground are trickling down. These discussions we're having in the underground are happening where they weren't allowed to happen before. Um, and so there's a lot to be optimistic about. There's a, and at the end of the day, Neil, there's a human being behind that keyboard struggling and needs a friend. Yeah. And so that human side has not gone away. So yes. what I mean by that is it would be a mistake. And this is hard and it sounds very counterintuitive. But it would be a mistake to discount the human story behind the crime. And yes. so the cybercrime. Um, and we've learned that in getting to know some of these individuals, that these are, yes, they're immature. Yes, they're young. Yes, but a lot of them are lonely and um, feel a need to belong to a community. So there's a lot to be optimistic about. And there's a lot of there's a lot more love in the world, and even in the cybercrime world, there's a lot of love being there's a lot of love more love than I think people realize. And if I could just end with with the final thought is, 
you at home, you behind your keyboard, you matter more than you'll ever know. Unbelievable. I'm not gonna, yeah, we're definitely going to finish it there because that is a, a fantastically optimistic and positive note compared to where we, where we got to on points. Yeah. That was absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much, Adam. Uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Hope you have too. Uh, to everybody uh, listening, um, we'll provide some more information in terms of what uh, Adam and the team at Zeropox do in the links below. But otherwise, thank you very much for watching. Um, and Adam, thank you very much. Brilliant conversation. All the best. Thank you, Neil. You too. Stay safe. Thanks.